Gonzaga has five new players joining the roster next season. Who has the highest ceiling of the group and who has the highest floor? The answers, well, they just might surprise you. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. We're going to recap the two Zags selected in the MLB draft to close out the show. We also have some 2024 recruiting updates and discussion to get to as well. But first, we're going to tackle a few mailbag questions that came in either later than when I recorded or came in afterwards or ones that I just missed, whatever it may be. A lot of these questions came on Discord, and I'm going to use this opportunity to once again push the new Discord channel that I've created. It's called Locked on Zags. It is an open Gonzaga community forum for people to come in and post links and post questions and chat with me and chat with each other. Uh, And it's also a great place to ask Mailbag Monday questions as well. I'll post a link to the Discord in the show notes. For those of you who are interested in joining, you can click that link. It is free to sign up and a a great way to be a part of another Gonzaga community. Anyway, a couple of these questions came from that Discord uh, channel, and I want to just kind of address them here, talk a little bit about recruiting. This first question comes from Zags in the Heartland on Discord, who says, which new Zag will have the highest ceiling and the highest floor? So what I want to do here is I'm going to go through each of the five new Zags and talk about their ceilings and their floors and kind of rank them in that order. And this was a a relatively tough exercise because I think amongst this new group, and just for reference, it's the three incoming transfers, Steel Venters from Eastern Washington, Ryan Nemhard from Creighton, and Graham Ike from Wyoming, as well as incoming freshman Dusty Stromer in the class of 2023, as well as Jun Sok Yo, the South Korean uh, international prospect who joined the Zags last year at the start of the second semester, but did not play. So for all intents and purposes, he would be a newcomer as well. And this is a group that, again, very eclectic group of players in terms of previous college experience, uh, overall ceiling and floor. So we'll start with the ceiling in order, and I'll go through them all one by one. This is the order I have chosen for the ceiling of these five players in a Gonzaga uniform. Number one, talked about him a lot on the show as being the biggest mystery man on the roster. Shouldn't be a surprise to those of you who are everyday listeners. The highest ceiling among this group is Jun Sakio. Followed, in my mind, by Ryan Nempard, who has a very high ceiling and a very high floor as well. We'll get to that. Followed by Dusty Stromer, who I believe has a very high ceiling, but again, the less proven as a, as a prospect, and then Graham E.K., and then Steel Venters. That is the ceiling, so let's talk about this. Yo, the ceiling for Yo right now feels nearly impossible to even imagine. I'm not sure how many people believed that Rui Hachimura would be an All-American in his third season, but that's the level of ceiling that we have to talk about with Yo. Yo is the only player in this group besides maybe Nembhard, who I believe honestly has All-American caliber ceiling. Nembhard's been one of the best point guards in college basketball the last couple of years. So, of course, in theory, he does have that in his bag. It is something that could conceivably happen for him. But Yo absolutely has that ceiling. 
And I think we have to acknowledge that we're not really sure what we're getting right now out of Yo. He joined the team somewhat surprisingly mid-season last year. Literally, somebody saw a, a video of him on Instagram warming up with the team and was like, who's that? And that's how we that's how the story broke, effectively. That's how we found out that he was here. Uh, he played FIBA U19 tournaments and absolutely dominated. Like, this is a, a kid who had pedigree. It's not like he was completely unknown, but there wasn't you know, the, the sites that do a phenomenal job of ranking domestic high school prospects like on three, like rivals, like 24 seven sports. I use them frequently on this podcast. And I think that they're very valuable resources, but I've acknowledged this before as well. They don't really do a good job with the international players and how could they, I don't blame them for this, trying to, to compare how a player in South Korea or Lithuania or Poland or Britain or Australia, how to compare that player to players who are here in the United States who are playing against each other, who are playing in tournaments like Peach Jam and EYBL. It's much easier to compare those players. And it's much more difficult to figure out if this kid is really, really good in South Korea, if it's a competition level thing. Like, you know, we only get glimpses of what, in this case, what Yo was able to do against competition, comparable competition. We saw what he did in the FIBA tournaments, and that was a good indicator that, hey, this is a young man who might be really good, who might be able to dominate at the, dominate at the college level. But that's kind of the only sample that we've really gotten of him. So this isn't going to be a huge spoiler here. The floor is fairly low for Yo. It has to be. At this point, we have to. We can't assume that there's a really high floor for a player that we've never seen play against Division I competition. We just don't know. But it's safe to say the ceiling really high. Gonzaga's success rate on international prospects is really good. Rui Hachimura is a great example. We talked about him already, but he's not the only one. He's far from the only one. Joel Eiai redshirted and then became an NBA player after a couple of years in the program. Killian Tilly was outstanding in his four-year career at Gonzaga. Shemek Karnowski, DeMontis Sabonis, going all the way back to Roni Turioff. Like, this is a team that has done this really well. So, that combined with the fact that they showed interest in Yo, that we have seen him succeed against good talent, at least in a small sample size in the FIBA tournament, makes me think that the ceiling here is really, really high. Next up on the list was Nemhard. Nemhard's ceiling and floor are both high because he's already proven he's a really, really good college basketball point guard. Like there's the, the difference between his ceiling and his floor is pretty minimal because he's already done it. He's already proven it. He played 35 minutes per game last year. He scored 30 points in an NCAA tournament game against Baylor. That's basically your floor is, is that kind of production, what we've seen from him before. Now he comes into a system that might be a little bit more conducive to his skill set, a system where his, his older brother thrived, uh, Andrew, for, for two years. The, the ceiling and the floor are really, really high here for Nembhard. Next up is Stromer. I think Stromer's ceiling is a little bit higher than that of Graham E.K. and Steel Venters. I think the floor is a little bit lower, but I think that the ceiling is really high. A top 40 prospect in his class, a guy who's a bigger guard, 6'5", 6'6", needs to put on some muscle. Like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. There always is if you haven't played a college basketball game yet. But the ceiling for me for Stromer is a guy who, who does get selected in the first round of the NBA draft, who is Gonzaga's best or second best player. It's not going to happen next year, but it could happen down the line. Hence why his ceiling is right here. EK inventors, again, I think we've seen who they are as Gonzaga or as college basketball players. We haven't necessarily seen who they are as Gonzaga basketball players. I do think both can improve, but I think that we kind of have a general sense of where they're at. So I don't think that the ceiling is extremely high for either of them. Now, in terms of the floor, that's where you're going to get the returnees are going to be a little bit higher. The order for the floor, Ryan Nembhard has the highest floor of this group. 
I mean, I mean, honestly, it's not close. It's not close. The floor for Ryan Nemhard is really, really good division one starting point guard. That's the floor, barring, of course, injuries or anything like that. But that's not really in the spirit of the conversation. Venters is who I put second, and that's maybe a bit controversial. It's between Venters and EK. The only reason EK's floor is lower is because of injury history. That's the only reason. He missed an entire year because of a foot injury. All indications right now are that he is healthy, that he is 100% going into summer workouts, that he's going to be 100% going into the season. If that's the case, then he probably should have a higher floor than Steel Venters. But I worry enough about foot injuries, which can linger and be really problematic, that I lean Venters, a guy who I think we know who he is. He's a good three-point shooter. He's a, he's an overall well-rounded, solid basketball player. He's not elite, but he's really good at filling a role for the Zags. So for me, his floor is very high. EK's floor is relatively high as well, barring the injury stuff, which makes him a bit of a question mark. And then I have Stromer over Yo in terms of floor. Because Yo's floor is really low. We just don't really know what we're getting here. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be a better Gonzaga basketball player than probably multiple players on this list. But it would be silly to not say that he has the lowest floor because he does. He does. His, his floor and Stromer's floor are both relatively low because they haven't played Division I college basketball yet. We just haven't seen that. By this time next year, the conversation around those two guys will be very different. I'm not sure what it will look like yet. I'm not a mind reader. I cannot tell the future. I wish that I could. But I do believe that both these guys are going to be solid Gonzaga basketball players. But right now, without having seen them play at that level, they have a lower floor than the three guys coming in who have already played at that level previously. Well, the Zags are connected to two top 15 prospects in the 2024 recruiting class, Zoom Diallo and Asa Newell. Who would they rather have? Let's discuss after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, folks, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers at FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. You Zag fans, perhaps you want to make a bet regarding Marco Gonzalez and the Seattle Mariners, Eli Morgan and the Cleveland Guardians, or as of very recently, Alec Jacob and the San Diego Padres. Congratulations to Alec, who just got called up for his MLB debut, which we'll make shortly after the All-Star break. Either way, whether you want to bet on Cleveland or San Diego or Seattle, don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel and official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Special shout out to those everyday listeners who are with us every single day here on the Locked On Zags podcast. If you want to become an everyday listener, you can go hit that subscribe button on YouTube, get yourself notified when future episodes come out. We got an interview coming your way on Friday talking about this great Gonzaga women's basketball program and how they're set up for success next season. We also have more summer league coverage coming your way as well. And of course, continued conversation about what the Zags might do with those final three roster spots heading into next season. But for now, we're going to focus on the future. We're going to look ahead to 2024 and beyond and also discuss another question posed 
by Zag in the Heartland on Discord. Again, these came in right after my mailbag episode, so we're getting to them here on a Wednesday edition of Locked on Zags. This question, again, from Zag in the Heartland on Discord says, if you could only add one player to next year's roster between Zoom or Asa, who would you pick and why? Okay, so I'll give a quick answer here, then I'll talk a little bit about each guy. Uh, and the answer is, it's a cop-out. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a cop-out, but it depends. And it depends really on one key thing for me. Whether Ryan Nempart is going to spend a second season in Spokane or not. Right now, projecting future rosters at the college basketball level is an exercise in futility. It's just, it's pointless. Everybody, everybody would have projected Hunter Salas be on this roster next year. Maybe not everybody. People close to him probably knew that this was going to happen. Perhaps even the staff knew this was going to happen. But most people would have thought that Hunter Salas was going to be a part of this mix next year. And he's not. Same with Efton Reed. So trying to project whether Gonzaga should have a bigger need for Zoom or Asa is difficult. Because it depends on Ryan Nemhard. If Ryan Nemhard returns after this upcoming season, comes back for his senior year, you bring in Zoom Diallo, he's still going to start, he's still going to play. I mean, he's, he's really, really good, but he's, I think you would rather have Asa Newell, who's a six foot nine stretch four, who is a more complimentary uh, or, or a, a better replacement for somebody like Anton Watson, who we know is in his final season of, of college basketball because he has to be because of the, he, he's out of eligibility. So that's my quick answer is basically if Ryan Nempard returns, I'd rather have Asa Newell. If Ryan Nempard does not return, I'd rather have Zoom Diallo. That's the basic explanation. A little bit more detail. Zoom is ranked 12th at 24-7 sports in the class of 2024. Newell is ranked 16th. They are very close to each other. I think ESPN had them 12th and 15th, if I'm not mistaken. So very similar ratings there. Sounds like Zoom Diallo is kind of down to Gonzaga and Arizona. That's not official. He did release a top six that includes both those schools, as well as a handful of other programs. Uh, Washington's in there. I think Florida State is in there. I'm not sure who the other two are, but it sounds like it's kind of down to, to Few and Lloyd. Mark and Tommy battling it out again. They've been on the recruiting trail with a lot of the same players, which is not surprising consider they run similar offensive sets uh, and of course have, have a similar type in players that they are looking into. Uh, Zoom is a six foot four point guard. He's a really good scorer, extremely high level athlete, great facilitator as well. He was at Curtis High School in Tacoma. Uh, the Zags have had a lot of looks at him in the last couple of years. He transferred to prolific prep uh, in the Napa Valley area of California. Some people are worried that means he's less interested in Gonzaga. I wouldn't take it that way. He's just playing at a, at a higher level, playing with a, a better team around him, uh, a move that many high school players ultimately end up making throughout their career. So wouldn't read too far into that. Uh, but it, it, Zoom is a player that has long time been connected to Gonzaga, and it feels like there's a decent chance he's going to end up in Spokane. Asa Newell, again, six foot nine, stretch four. He's from Montverde Academy. Uh, Montverde is where the Nemhards went. It's where Philip Petrusev went. There is a lot of connections between Montverde Academy in Florida and Gonzaga. That is very helpful in terms of Gonzaga's pursuit of Asa Newell. Uh, he has already, he, he reached out recently and said that he is planning to take an official visit to Spokane. That is relatively new information and very valuable information. Obviously, official visits are critical, not just in transfer portal recruiting, but in regular high school recruiting as well. And, and getting Newell out of Florida, across the country, to Spokane, huge, huge win for the Zags. Hopefully they can seal the deal there and get him committed to join the program in Spokane in 2024. Uh, he's visited Georgia. He's visited Indiana. Uh, he's got 
interest from a lot of programs, not just those two, lots and lots of programs, premier high-end talented programs, Blue Bloods, the bluest of Blue Bloods are in here and they should be. This kid is really good. Six foot nine, stretch four, really high level athletes uh, would be a perfect Anton Watson replacement. I mean, so perfect. He'd play right away. Uh, I mean, I think that this would be uh, one of the more exciting non-guards that Gonzaga has ever added uh, as a recruit. You know, Drew Timmy was extremely exciting, but he was like 70th in his recruiting class, which was a huge miss by the recruiting analysts, by the way, obviously, as a guy who scored 2,200 points in college. But Gonzaga typically, I mean, their their, their highest success recruits in, uh, domestically in the United States have predominantly been guards. Jalen Suggs, uh, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, Julian Strother, Dominic Harris, Dusty Stromer, Chet Holmgren being the incredibly notable counterexample to this. Uh, but for the most part, we haven't seen them recruit a lot of like kind of wing type players, six eight, six nine, wings, and that's who that's who Newell is. And I think he'd be a really exciting uh, addition to this Gonzaga program if they were able to get him. Next up, this is another question that I missed for mailbag coming in from Gordon via Gmail. Gordon says, "What are the most common reasons why a four star prospect that's a fit for the Gonzaga program chooses another school?" I. This is a tough question to answer. We don't really ask recruits. I mean, we might ask them why they picked a certain school, but we don't ask them, why didn't you pick this school? And they're also not going to give you a straight answer, nor should they necessarily give you a straight answer. So I'm going to give a a handful. We're talking about a player who is a fit for the program. So we kind of rule out that. But I do think some players who are maybe more defensive focused or maybe haven't played in a fast paced offense or maybe just don't view the way that Gonzaga runs their offense or defense as a fit for their skills would certainly that would be a reason but if we're assuming that that's not the case if we're assuming that a player that is a fit in terms of their basketball playing abilities and they're a four-star prospect which tends to be you know bread and butter for Gonzaga why would they choose another school here are a couple reasons NIL we don't know the full extent of the NIL situation. We don't know exactly how much high school players are asking for, how much they're getting, whether Gonzaga is behind in that conversation or not. I tend to think that Gonzaga is not behind in those conversations in the ways that many people think that they are. They just make the assumption, smaller school, not in a Power 5 conference, they can't afford to pay players the way that other programs can. That may or may not be true. I don't think Gonzaga is pursuing a lot of players who are demanding huge salaries who are demanding big amounts of money. So yes, it could be a player who they're interested in who says, Hey, I want $200,000. And they say, okay, pass. That could be happening. I don't know the extent of that, but I suspect that in some capacities that's happening. Academics always going to be a factor as well. Again, Gonzaga is going to find ways to make it work if they have a player they really want to bring in, but it's always a factor at a school like Gonzaga. Uh, Location. I mean, that's fairly obvious. If players don't want to be far from home, they don't want to be far from their friends, they don't want to play in the cold weather, like there are tons of reasons why players wouldn't go to Gonzaga for that reason. Not really a whole lot Gonzaga can do about that, but if a player says, I'm going to be completely miserable in the winter, probably not a guy you're going to recruit in the first place anyway. Competition, perception, conference, all that stuff. It does. It is real. I, you, we spoke with Jason Jordan a while back on the podcast, a former Lockdown Recruiting Insider, fantastic guy, and, and he talked about how teams out there, when they're recruiting against Gonzaga, they say things like, oh, good luck never being on TV, good luck playing against crap opponents. Like They, they say that stuff. You know how I feel, folks, about the WCC, and I believe it's a great conference, but it is used as a recruiting tactic against Gonzaga. Mark Few knows this. Chris Standiford, the athletic director, knows this. Part of the reason they're looking at the Big 12. Part of many reasons, most of them being dollar-dollar bills, y'all. But 
the recruiting perception would change. They would have a better opportunity to recruit if they said, yeah, we're going to go play TCU and Iowa State and Kansas and Houston and Baylor and Texas, although Texas is going to be out of the Big 12, but you get the picture. And so I do think that that is a factor. There are players who don't come to Gonzaga because they don't want to play in the WCC or more specifically because they want to play in the SEC. They want to play in the ACC. They want to play in the Big 12 or the Big East, and they don't want to play in the WCC. Players in front of them could be a factor as well. And really just, it's just, they might just like somewhere else. Connections are critical. Some of these guys have known high school, you know, have known assistant college assistant coaches for decades. There are situations where players go to a school because their uncle is on the staff. Their cousin is on the staff. Their former high school coach is on the staff. I mean, that's just life. People just have different connections to different places. Wesley Yates was a prime player Gonzaga targeted in the class of 2023 really good high school basketball player. He ended up going to Washington because his cousin is a coach at Washington. Great. Kudos. Hats off. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's not shady. It's not questionable. You could question whether a player of his caliber should go to Washington because they haven't had a lot of success lately, but I'm not going to blame him for doing that for a a really compelling reason to be around family. There are, for every reason I've listed, there's probably 25 that I haven't listed and that I don't know about. There could be so many reasons, so, so many reasons. Those are the most common ones that I expect come up in conversations when Gonzaga is out there. I also think a part of it is that Gonzaga is, is pretty picky. And so you kind of, the question kind of alludes to a player who's a fit. So we're assuming it's a player who Gonzaga wants, but Mark View is not splitting hairs. He'll tell you exactly how he feels. He'll tell you what he thinks the situation is going to be. And, and some, co- some players may just not like that. They may want more of an assurance from the coach, more confidence that they're going to play right away, that kind of stuff. And so I think that that's going to play a factor as well. We're going to close out the show today discussing Brian Calmer, who joined Owen Wilde in getting selected out of Gonzaga in the MLB draft, coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, switching away from talking about recruiting for Gonzaga basketball and instead talking about the Zag baseball program. The MLB draft wrapped up. On Tuesday, it is officially over. The 20-round draft is done. It used to be 50, folks. Remember when it was 50, I always had an absolute blast going through every round and looking for schools that I recognize, looking for, for players that I recognize, checking out how, how my teams did in the draft as well. A little bit shorter now, but doesn't mean that it's really preventing Zags from getting selected. They had two this year. Owen Wilde selected in the seventh round by the Tampa Bay Rays. We talked about him a lot on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Zag, so I won't get into it too much more with him. Congratulations uh, as a player who had to replicate, who had to try to replace the losses of Gabriel Hughes, Tristan Vreeling, and William Kempner, who were all selected in 2022. Wild stepped up, became the ace of the staff, uh, had a productive season, a lot of strikeouts, looked really good, ends up getting drafted by a team in Tampa Bay who's very good at developing pitching, so that's a really promising sign for Owen Wilde going forward. But he wasn't the only Zag selected in the 18th round of the 2023 MLB draft. Pick number 536 overall, the Chicago Cubs selected first baseman Brian Calmer out of Gonzaga. Calmer was an all-WCC first-teamer in 2023. It was his first and only season in Spokane. He came over as a junior college player from Wabash Valley Community College. Uh, he was He absolutely raked there. I think he hit 420. Uh, while he was there, came to Gonzaga and had a, a, a truly dominant single season for the Zags. 
Again, all WCC first team member. He had 51 RBIs, which was third in the WCC. He hit 358 as a batting average, which is staggering. That is fifth. That was, excuse me, that was fifth in the WCC. Uh, he also led the Zags in 12, count them 12 different hitting categories. Basically, he was Gonzaga's best hitter, and it wasn't close. It wasn't close. He was the absolute man in the middle of that lineup for the Zags this past year. His 15 home runs that he hit this last season is fifth all time in Gonzaga single season history. Only four players have hit more home runs in a single season than Brian Calmer did last year. It wasn't a great year for Gonzaga. There's no way to get around that when discussing the Gonzaga baseball team. After two really good years, they took a step back last year. I think they're going to rebound from that and they're going to adjust and they're going to recalibrate some of the positions, find some more pitching depth if they can and, and, and be fine. I don't think that this is like the end of Gonzaga's baseball program, but I do think that they, they got a lot less attention last year because they struggled down the stretch. And so I think somebody like Calmer sort of gets kind of lost to the, the, his, the annals of, of Gonzaga baseball history, but he deserves recognition for how great he was in an otherwise down season for the Bulldogs. Owen Wilde and Brian Calmer became the 105th and 106th players drafted out of Gonzaga in program history. That is a strikingly high number for a program that historically hasn't really been all that great until the last couple of years. Uh, this is uh, player number 53 and 54 to get selected by the out of the current coaching staff. So a lot of these guys were drafted way back before this head coach, uh, these coaching staff took over. Uh, and Calmer kind of joins a, a, a select group of non-pitchers to get selected out of Gonzaga, especially recently. Coach Brandon Harmon, the associate head coach and pitching coach for this program, has done a tremendous job of developing pitching talent. We talked in the teaser for FanDuel about Marco Gonzalez and Eli Morgan and Alec Jacob all being in the big leagues. Guess what? They're all pitchers. They're all pitchers. Casey Ligamina made it into the big leagues as well. He is a pitcher. Recent success stories out of Gonzaga, Tyler Olson, Cody Martin. Uh, those guys were both pitchers as well. Uh, Brandon Bailey, pitcher like that. That tends to be the position that has the most success for Gonzaga going into the big leagues. But Brian Calmer is not. He joins Brett Harris, seventh round pick out of the Oakland A's a few years ago, who's probably going to be a big leaguer. And I think uh, one of the most successful position players to come out of Gonzaga in a very long time. Uh, he joins Taylor Jones. Taylor Jones got a brief MLB cameo with the Houston Astros a few years ago. I think he's still kicking around in AAA these days. Big, hulking first base type. He was also a pitcher at Gonzaga as well. What do you know? Uh, Ernie Yank, Ernie Yake, excuse me, shortstop drafted uh, in 2021. I think the eighth round, 10th round. I'm not exactly sure when by the Minnesota Twins. So they've had hitting players drafted. They've had hitters develop successfully. I mean, Jones made it to the big leagues. That's a really tremendous growth for him. Uh, and Calmer, 18th round picks are hard. It's tough to make the big leagues out of the 18th round, but big dude hits for power. If, I mean, if things go his way in Chicago, it wouldn't be shocking to see him get up to the big leagues and make it to that level at some point. It's not going to happen next year, but he's an older prospect. So maybe two or three years down the road, if he continues to hit the cover off the ball in the minor leagues, he could be a guy who finds himself in the big leagues before too long. All right, folks, that is going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for making the podcast your first listen or your first watch of the day. More fantastic stuff coming your way later this week. Got some women's basketball coverage, summer league coverage, all sorts of good stuff. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet and find a way to make sure you find the show wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.